0: Welcome to the divine career design podcast. I'm your host, Jody Palmer. Week to week, you'll hear me interview experts in their fields of study, the highlights and challenges within their career, what an actual day to day looks like in their practice, and how to become an expert like them. There's so much to share, and I'm excited to get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the divine career design podcast. This is Jody. Palmer. I am in studio today. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. And I think that it'll really resonate for many of you parents because it's the topic about how we teach our kids self-confidence and particularly in the area of standing up for themselves when they're in conflict. And many of my clients come to me that want to build confidence. That really is the one area that tends to be what they're always seeking and confidence really to go after the things that they want in life. But how to particularly do that as a parent with your child or your kid, your teen, so that way they feel confident enough to speak up for themselves when they're in conflict. So today's episode, we're going to cover some mistakes that parents make, causes that your child is not being able to stand for up for themselves. So what is it that you can identify or recognize in behavior or mannerisms that that your your kid really isn't able to stand up for themselves? And then a simple three- step process that you can teach your child how to build confidence and the ability to speak up for themselves. And then really, what happens when we don't help our kids with this? And I'll start off with a short story about myself. I I'm in a grown adult now, but when I was a teenager, I was I was really bullied and picked on, um, and particularly from this one group of girls. And and it didn't always, it wasn't constant and consistent, but when they didn't like me and they felt like they wanted to have someone. That they could push around or bully or attack, I was their target. At least it felt that way. And, and and even looking back now, I could have taken some measures with these with these tools and these skills that I have now. But for me, I was uh, one teenage girl, and I was being being grouped up on by you know several, uh, three, four, and five girls that would at different times, I particularly remember one experience where two of them held me, like held my arms back behind me, and then one of them, you know, beat me up. Um, luckily, I have, you know, gone through the process of, of really, um, of, of not feeling negative or bad about that experience anymore. And I do believe that it served me. It served me to be able to have this conversation with you today. Because I know, I know what I didn't do back then, and I can reflect on it enough now to know what I could do now. And then when I, I work with clients, obviously, what works for them? So let's get into the conversation, and we'll start with some of the mistakes that parents make. And I know that one mistake is that our parents tend to be responsive when something happens to their child. And this is a good thing. Like we want to respond when something happens to the child, but it, it isn't the only way that we prepare our child because we actually do need to do that. We do need to prepare our child for these situations and circumstances. And so the, instead of being responsive, we also need to actually be proactive. So that's one thing that I encourage you to do because you may be listening to this and you may say, well, Mike. My child doesn't really ever express these kinds of things to me, um, and and that and and your child may be really confident, which is great, but we all know that there is going to be a time or a circumstance, whether it be within your family or it be at school or it be within the job place, that eventually your child's going to experience conflict and needing to know how to stand up for themselves how to speak their speak their opinion or speak their mind in a way that honors themselves and re, and allows them them to remain dignified and it respects the other person as well and I think that that's one of the most important parts because you know we've all and we'll talk about that a little bit we've all witnessed people who have um, been bullied and then come back with, with much more extreme, you know, non-humane, non-respectful way. But the real goal is that the way that you treat others is a huge reflective reflection about yourself and the self-respect and the boundaries that you place for yourself. So the first one is going to be that we are proactive as parents in the way that we teach and deliver this message to our child. and And that is one of the mistakes that parents make is that they you know kids come home and they just teach them how to how to respond be after something has happened and not necessarily before and so the best approach is to be proactive and prepare your child to stand up for themselves when they experience conflict with a peer so at this point if you haven't had a conversation with your child don't worry about it don't make yourself wrong or Shame yourself for it. Just know that it can be a conversation that you can have because this is the way that we communicate uh, and and effectively to share our opinions, express our feelings, etc. And so that is going to be an important point, point. Let's go into a little bit of the causes as to why we don't speak up for ourselves. Most of, think, most of us think that people don't speak up for themselves because they are shy or introverted or quiet. And this actually is, is not true. This is not why we don't speak up for ourselves. I know people who fit into these attributes or these categories or qualities that are shy, introverted, and quiet, but they stick up for themselves because they have been taught boundaries and what's acceptable for how they want to be treated. They know they have a high level of self-respect for themselves and others. And I have seen some of the most meek people really show up in a firm, clear, and direct way to to point out when something is being done or said to them that compromises their pride or their self-worth. And they're able to do it in a, in a way that, is, that it, again, still honors themselves and just sends the message to the other person of, hey, that behavior or those words or whatever it may be, that's not acceptable. And oftentimes, what actually is the culprit behind why we don't speak up for themselves is because we believe that our opinion doesn't matter. So that's one of the reasons why we've been trained or taught that our opinions don't matter, and you might you might have heard the saying, "Children are meant to be seen and not heard well, that this breaks my heart actually, because children are people, and it, when they're people, little people, their opinions do matter it absolutely a hundred percent, and when you take that perspective of children are supposed to be seen and not heard, you're actually sending that message to that child of your opinion doesn't matter or your thoughts or your feelings. That really is what that's saying. And some of the times as parents, we don't necessarily always have to speak those words, but it happens in our behavior even when we don't know it or we're not aware of it. So let's take, for example, the family's going out to dinner and you and your spouse are having a conversation about what you're going to eat or what you're going to make for dinner and you don't ask the children you don't ask the kids in the family and i'm not i'm not a proponent for asking everybody's opinion every night that's not what i'm saying here because i know that that can be hectic too and and sometimes mom or dad or ju- is just cooking this thing for this evening but this could apply really to all areas not just meals but there there could be an opportunity where there's a designated night maybe what's once a month depending on how big your family is if you have 3 children once a month you can choose that it's it's going to be the the older child's choice on where you go and then the middle child's choice on where you go or what you make and And so this is definitely something that is a part of my household. Uh, I always am asking my daughter, oh, what would you like to have for dinner tonight? Here are your two choices, right? So so I'm narrowing the options, but I'm still giving her a choice. And that's sending the message that your opinion matters and your opinion counts. And it kind of, adds variety and makes it fun. This could be sort of a little bit of a game if you wanted to pull names out of a hat, right? Or pull meals out of a hat, um, that kind of a thing. So I encourage you just to include in the decision-making process, maybe it's what vacations you're doing, anything really about the decision-making process where you include your children In that process is what helps them to know how to express their feelings and their opinions and share their ideas in a healthy and proactive manner and way. So that's an awesome way to include it. Let's see. We also know that sometimes we can have our opinions be uh, not feeling like they're validated because we've been told to shut up or we've been made of fun made fun of in the past about the way that you talk. And so if this is any reason why your child uh, doesn't share or stand up for themself, this obviously there's going to be some hurt and some pain associated around that experience. But it really only takes one time. It really only takes one time for a child, especially at the young age, years where our subconscious really is absorbing everything, like a movie theater, between the years of, you know, one and seven, where they just have to be told, shut up, I don't want to hear what you have to say, or they've been made fun of because of sharing their opinion, or that's silly, or that's stupid. And parents, here's the thing, it may not even have been you that your child had that experience with. It could have been a sibling. It could have been a classmate. It could have been another relative. And so you just always want to be aware and mindful to watch for these things that if your child doesn't feel comfortable to share their opinion, that you could address that if there is anything that they've experienced in the past where there's pain associated with it, that you could help them work through that. And my previous episode talked about releasing pain. And so that might be one that you want to go back and look at. Another reason why children or kids might have a hard time sharing their opinion is because they simply care too much about what others think of them. And they don't want to rock the boat or upset anyone or be pushy, et cetera. But eventually, they're going to be tired of quote unquote people pleasing, eventually. Eventually. And this is definitely one that comes up. Oh, I it's I can be easygoing, is what I hear a lot of clients say. I'm easygoing. And and although that's great, we want to be that way. But when it really matters and when it really counts in a in an experience where they're being confronted by someone, then you definitely want them to know they can stand up for themselves. So if you notice that your child is a peeper pleaser. Or doesn't share their opinions because they just don't want to upset anybody or feel like they're pushy. That's important for making sure that we're giving them real clear and helpful tools on how to actually express themselves. Okay, so another cause could be that they have low self confidence and self worth, which is housed in the gut of your body, kind of um, below your belly button and And right around your belly button area, but below your belly button and where your legs begin to open up. And this is is, uh, why we feel, and we've heard the saying, gosh, it made me sick to my stomach. Or when you've been confronted in the past, you could feel like that hole happen in that area. And I know that I have for sure felt this. I can even feel this when I recall a memory where I felt this way. So I'm actually out of the experience and it could have been years in the past. But the reason why that happens is because we actually store memory in our body. And so when you have these painful memories that you store in your body actually just thinking about it can trigger those same emotions and feelings, which is why it's so important that we process that pain if it's been painful and then we learn what to do in response. Okay, So you know the feeling, the moment you're confronted by someone unexpectedly. It's always hard to know how to respond in the moment, but when you need to react, you don't really have a lot of time to respond. So I'm going to go into three simple steps so that way you are able to respond in a way that has you honor yourself and speak your words, your feelings, and your opinions. So the first step is to focus on your breath. And so the moment that I feel that, that confrontation, and you know it, when you can feel it in your body, a lot of times you can feel it in the air. Have you ever walked into a room where two people were fighting and they might stop? They're not talking, but you can feel the confrontation in the room. Well, you can feel it in your body too. So the moment you begin to feel that, remind yourself to take a deep breath, slow and deep. This isn't necessarily something that I do out loud, but it's the moment that I'm triggered in that spot that I feel anxious or worried that I know I'm being confronted, I remind myself, focus on my breath, and I take a deep breath deep down into that part of my belly, near my belly button, and I focus it there to bring breath, ease, calmness there. So the first one is to focus on your breath. The next one is to remind yourself that you can do this. And those are my words. I would encourage you to come up with some sort of saying that's quick. This is not a a paragraph. It's a simple short phrase or sentence that you can tell yourself quickly in your mind. And mine is, you can do this. They'll understand once you explain. So mine is, you can do this. They'll understand once you explain. And And then I know my next step is, to go into my explanation about how I'm feeling. So step number three is to take action. So step number one is to focus on your breath. Step number two is to affirm yourself. For one of my clients, it is, you are confident and can stand up for yourself. So again, you wanna make that whatever words are important to you or remind yourself that you can do what you're trying to do. And then the third step is to take action and to use your words to share. And so it might look, or it might sound something like this. I don't appreciate you talking to me like that. Those aren't words that I use and talk to you that way. And so I don't want you using those kinds of words to talk to me that way. And this is something that I teach my students as well, even five-year-olds. Stop, I don't like it. Those are the words that I teach my five-year-olds. That's simple. Stop doing that. I don't like it. And I know that that seems really, really simple, but for a five-year-old, they can repeat that over and over and over again. Stop doing that. I don't like it. And that's enough to tell the person to stop the behavior and that they don't like it. So it's simple enough to say share their feelings. And as we get older, we can elaborate on that. So as kids become more mature and can express their feelings more, you can elaborate, stop doing, and then explain what it is they're doing. Stop making fun of me. I don't like it. And then share more about how it's making them feel stop bullying me. I don't like it. it. It's making me feel like I don't belong. So that is the way that three simple step process to actually proactively teach our kids how to stand up for themselves. Now, here's, here's the beauty in all this, parents, is that when you actually teach your kids how to do this before they need it, they won't actually need it. Because they exude confidence and friendliness and self-worth and value and respect and boundaries that oftentimes those are the kids who actually don't get picked on and bullied and shamed. Now, isn't that miraculous? We're giving them a skill and just by giving them the skill, we actually are telling them that they're not, you know, giving them that skill and that they're not actually going to need it. I would rather give my child a tool or a skill to protect themselves than not, and then need it and not have it. All right. So another response is to teach your children to maintain good friends who treat them this way and friends that will stand up for each other. Don't you want to feel confident in your friendships? that if my friends are being you know attacked or teased in any way that I will stand up for them. Don't you want to have your child be the one who stands up for others, who shows kindness and bravery? That's amazing. And so we actually can teach our our kids to have and cultivate friendships that that, that really stand on this foundation. Hey, if you're ever being teased or picked on or bullied, I'm going to stand up for you. And if I'm ever being teased or picked on or bullied, I want you to stand up for me. This is the kind of world that I envision where kids support each other. So what happens actually if none of these tools are present? For our kids, well, I'll tell you some some pieces that I've seen, and one of them is that our natural response when we are in confirmation con, <laughs> when we're in confliction or we're being conflicted, our natural response, and our amygdala brain is to go into fight, flight, or freeze. This is almost one of the basics that most of us have probably either heard or understand for how we respond. And so the first one is to fight. And that's the alternative. Your child may choose to get into a fight. And that's one way they know how to protect themselves, right? And so it, it can be something that is avoided when we give them skills. Another one is the flight. So your child is going to avoid interactions, avoid peers, and hide. So if you if you hear your child say, no, I don't really want to go to that event. I don't really want to go to that dance. I don't really want to do that. No, I don't have any friends. I just eat at school over here with one friend. They might be afraid, really, because they've really gone into that flight response mode where they don't want to even put themselves in those situations or experiences. And and look, I see that as a real, a, a real negative thing because school is supposed to be a place where all kids are accepted and they have fun and they enjoy life. And if this just isn't the case, we want to give our kids ways to actually move closer towards building connections and friendships. Because connections is the basic human need. It's one of our basic human needs. Kids need to feel connected. We know what happens when kids don't. We've seen it on the news. When kids don't feel connected, there's school shootings, kids join gangs, and it's just not a pretty thing. So when you recognize these signs, I know that it's heartbreaking as a parent. I've been with parents who are in that midst of heart of, of heartbreak. But there are ways to go about changing it. And then the last response that we go into is that we freeze. And this really leads to low self-esteem. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to respond. I'm not going to do anything or say anything in any way. And And then you have to really work on building that self-esteem up. So hopefully this conversation has been helpful and the small three-step process that you can use to proactively teach your child how to stand up for themselves and how to share their opinion, share their feelings and share their voice. It's really really important. And one of the things that I always remember when I'm sharing and and even you know in in my world as an adult when I'm, when I'm conflicted or confronted with someone, uh, maybe in the workplace or even in my family, I don't have a perfect family life. If I'm conflicted, I can just say, well, here's, here's how that made me feel. And oftentimes as adults, we can empathize. We can empathize with one another. And no adult is intentionally, or at least most adults, no, most adults aren't intentionally trying to conf- cause harm or, or any, dis- any disagreeable emotion or, or feeling for you. And so they'll empathize with you, and they'll oftentimes apologize if you can share your feelings. Now with children, this is a little bit harder because we actually don't develop the ability to, to have empathy for others until we are until we're older. And that grows, right? Children definitely are, um, you know, young age children under the age of seven, it's hard for them to even rationalize that their actions have an effect and make another child feel a certain way. And that ability to empathize grows as you get older, or at least we hope it does, or that's the, that's the, the goal. And so, I just encourage you to have this conversation wherever you're at in your parenting journey with your children. And and it might even be something that you reflect on as, as a, an adult in your interactions of how you talk with the people in your family or that you work with. This really is a life skill that can be used forever. And so why not give your child, the opportunity to use it at a young age rather than having to work on fixing things when they're older or later on in life because they, they don't have the ability to stand up for themselves. So thank you for listening. If you felt like there was anything about this, this message today that, that helped or that you found like really just enlightening or, or just, gave you, just gave you encouragement, I would I would love for you to share this with, with someone who you think this could help too. Because I know that when, when there's 10 people, you know, and I have more that share the same struggle with me, like that's just 10 that are sharing and talking about it that I know. It, it really means that a lot of us are experiencing the same challenges and the more we can share, connect, understand, and empathize with one another, the better off we'll all be. So thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Divine Career Design Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show and share it with your friends. Connect with me further on Instagram at amplify.u or visit the website at www.amplifyu.org to join our email list and receive our free guide to a divinely led career.